Well, as Julie said, we are kind of focusing on going back in time. And, you know, back to school is obviously a time that kind of centers around family and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's important to understand that what we're going to talk about in the little bit of time that we have here today together really and truly transcends families of origin. This is something that applies to everyone in the room, whether you're going back to school or you're just going back to work tomorrow, this is an opportunity for all of us to kind of hit a reset button, to start a new season together as a family of faith. And, and we, we believe in the word family because it's something that God talks about over and over and over again throughout the Bible. Now, what's, fa what's fascinating is the way family has changed in our culture, just in the last two generations. I mean, since Julie and I were kids about 20 years ago, it has changed so radically. And you can see this, I think, a lot of times through the, the media, the TV shows that we watch. I want to begin today by giving you just a quick, quick audio quiz. I, I'm going to play for you. We're going to play for you four clips of TV theme songs and when you recognize what show it comes from, I just want you to yell it out. Just, just let it fly, okay? Everybody say, okay. okay. Yeah, great. yell it out. Don't be shy. All right. So here's audio quiz clip number one. I love Lucy. Very good. Very good. That was quick. I love Lucy. You got some explaining to do. Okay. I don't know why I looked at you when uh, I said that. Sorry, babe. Maybe force a habit. Here's audio clip number two. Andy Griffith, come on. Andy Griffith. Classic. I love Mayberry. Andy Griffith. It's awesome. And Aunt, Aunt B. Aunt, Aunt B. B. Yeah. Aunt B. All right, audio clip number three. Here's the story. <laughs> Brady Bunch. Very, man, the kids are getting all the old ones fast. Yeah, I get a call, unfair advantage That's on these right. three that were also in the 930. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's number four. Modern family. Very good. Very good. Now. Here, here's what I think is fascinating. If you just kind of traced the development of the perception of family just through those four shows, I mean, go all the way back to Ricky and Lucy. They were deeply in love, but they slept in separate twin beds. It's a miracle little Ricky ever showed up. <laughs> all the way to, to modern family, there have been a lot of changes in our perception of Family. There have been a lot of changes, I think we would all agree, in the practices of family. Because if you think about how much culture has shifted, how much things have changed, family looks and works much differently now than it ever has before. But I think that raises a really fascinating, important point for us to focus on today. And that is this that though the practice of family has changed a great deal, the purpose of family has not. The practice of family may have changed a lot, but the purpose of family has never changed. If you go back in time, I'm talking about way before 
Andy Griffith and Ricky and Lucy. You go all the way back in time to when God himself ordained the family, when God instituted and blessed the family as the primary first means of belonging in any person's life. That's where we find the true purpose of family. In Deuteronomy chapter six, God kind of lays out for us what this purpose and therefore the practice of family ought to look like. If you've got your Bible, I want you to look in Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy is not one of the more trafficked books of the Bible. If somebody's ever struggling, you're probably not gonna tell them, you should go read Deuteronomy. But it is still the word of God and the word of God is true. The word of God is always true, has always been and always will be true. Here's what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter six. I'm gonna read this verse, but there are gonna be some highlighted words that I want you to read out loud with me. So everybody chime in on the highlighted words. Here's, here's what God says in Deuteronomy six. The Bible says you must love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, all, all your soul, and all, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children, parents. Talk about them when you are at, at home and when you are on, on the, the road, road, when you are going, going to, to bed, bed and when you are getting, getting up. up. That's pretty much all the time. So what that's saying, especially to parents, everything, say everything. Everything. Everything is a teachable moment. Everything is an opportunity to show our kids who God is and how God operates. And that is what we get to do, especially at the beginning of a new school year. It's an opportunity for us to kind of reset our practices because the purpose of family never goes away. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is kind of the verse that we as a church have adopted as our anchor truth, our anchor verse to partner with parents for the job of parenting. Now, there, there's a family in our church. They are Shelby and Kara Brown, and they're four kids. They've been a part of our church for more than a decade now. And when you have four kids between elementary school and high school, that is a lot of reality. That is a lot of reality. But the Brown family, they are working at living this out. And I want to just take just a quick second and share with you their story and what that looks like as they practice the purpose of family. Check this out. I think those first two weeks of school, it seems pretty hard. I'm not gonna lie. No, the, those are rough. Yeah, the kids are coming home every single day with a new notebook that they need or a new calculator and another you know, parent-teacher meeting and a back-to-school this, and it definitely has a frantic feel those you know, last two weeks of August. We just want them to have a great year, learn to be better than they were last year, be kinder, be smarter, um, learn to try harder and keep using that integrity in all aspects. 
I think especially since I work in a school, you see that integrity is really, really important. And I think church helps just, you know, reiterate those beliefs that you do the right thing even when no one is looking. I think we've been going to Lake Hills since I was like a toddler. I serve with Miss Gina in the runner's room. I like being with the little kids because I get to teach them the basics. The Bible is God's word and God's word is true. And it's nice to know that I'm setting the foundation for them before they grow up. Sometimes we play tag with them or like push them down like this mini roller coaster thing they have or build Legos. We tell, say, tell like the Bible story and do snack time. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing to do the little songs like with the kids, but we know that it's fun and that it's helping not just us, but them as well. Well, I think my mom and dad do a really good job of, my dad is more of showing, like he shows us how we should act. My mom's very talkative, so she's more of like, you wanna do this, you wanna do this, you wanna do this. But also I think it's really important how they kept us accountable when we were little going to church because then now that we're older, I keep myself, I've learned to keep myself accountable about going to church. I was active in a lot of sports growing up. I, it didn't matter year round, I was playing them, but it would almost be unheard of for somebody to ask you to play a sport on Sunday or even practice. And nowadays it seems like most of the leagues are setting up their games to be on that day. It, it's, it's tough, but there have been times where they had to miss part of a game or get there late or not get to go at all. The kids know that's the first thing that is non-negotiable is church on Sunday. Um, even if, you know, Kara's out of town with friends, they still know that just because dad's there at home, we're still going to church on Sunday. And I think then when you add the serving aspect to it, first of all, the children know it's non-negotiable. Someone's depending on them. Again, that falls under the integrity. Yeah. You do what's right. You have to be at church. It doesn't matter if you're tired or if you stayed up till 3 a.m. giggling with your friends. You know, we're going to be there. We're going to serve. And then 90% of the time, we usually do a family lunch after church also. So it just kind of makes yeah. it a big, complete day. The one day of the week where you can guarantee we're all together. If my family really wasn't like involved in church and Jesus, I don't think we would really be as happy, you know, like not really do anything that much together because we usually spend all of Sunday with each other. So I feel like if we didn't really go to church with each other, then like I don't feel like we'd be as close with each other than we are right now. I feel like our children genuinely love God. Not because they have to, not because they feel like mom and dad want them to, but because they do. They love going to church. They love going to crash. They love seeing their leaders, VBS, Joel, Joel Bryant, Bryant, every, yeah. you know, they actively look forward to all things LHC. It's like anything else in life. The more you put in, the more you get out. If you just show up and you walk in and you don't speak to anyone and you leave, you're not going to get nearly as much out of it. And 15 years ago, I never would have imagined that. I would have thought, you go to church, you learn, and you leave. When you start to serve, when you start to lead, and then when you see your children start to serve and lead, there's really no greater blessing. Um, 15 years ago, I would not have been able to imagine the pride I feel when I see my kids up there leading. 
The one thing about Christ is it's never really changing, you know what I mean? Like with the things of the world kind of change constantly. So if you aren't, if you're basing who you are on something that constantly changes, you're going to constantly change, your opinion's gonna constantly change, how you behave's gonna constantly change. But then if you base it off of something that's like, I guess like a solid foundation, like you're not gonna move. If Jesus is the focus in your life, everything else usually lines up pretty well. It helps you make better decisions in all aspects of your life, especially as teenagers, I think, when you do have so many daily decisions, from little ones to large monumental ones. Um, and if He's a focus, if church is a focus, and you even have that extended church family, it makes those big decisions, I feel like, seem easier. You have support, you have love, you know, you know you're loved not just by the people that live in this house, but by a greater community. Um, we have known them for a long time, and Kara and Shelby are a great example of parents who work together, and they said, this is the vision for our family, this is what is important to us, and we will stay the course. And they have hit stages in their life, their girls are now getting older, doing cheer, and Trevor's in sports, and all of that, and, and you know, it's very easy when they're tiny, and it gets more difficult as they get older, but these kids are still participating in all the extracurricular, but they know on Sunday that church is on Sunday, and that's what has been important to them, and it's amazing, they, it's just like Max said, they they understand that the practice of family has changed, but the purpose of family has not. And it's not always um, common or the popular thing, but we know we can watch these kids and say, this is definitely giving them opportunities to learn and grow. And contrary to popular belief, um, you know, parenting, the purpose of parenting is not college admission. <laughs> the purpose of parenting is to prepare them to be adults on their own, and the best thing you can give your child is a firm foundation built on their own relationship with Christ. They are an incredible example, and when we talk about the practice of family has not changed, or has changed, but the purpose has not, what is the purpose of family? I'm gonna tell you it's three things. It's about connection, direction, and protection. Connection, what does the family do? A child is born, it's important. We're all born with the need to belong, and so in the family, our job as parents is to create a space where this child knows you are you belong here you are part of a group and we are glad that you're part of our group part of our team and then direction it's our responsibility to prepare these kids again not for college but for adulthood we have to start thinking beyond 18 and so our job is to prepare them and to direct them and then lastly is protection it's that it's our job to create a safe place a safe place emotionally a safe place physically relationally where they can ask questions and they come home we say in fearless mom we want them to drop that backpack and go I'm home, I'm safe, and I like it here. That's our responsibility. The purpose of family is that connection, direction, and protection. Guess what? Church family, we have the same responsibility, the same opportunity to provide connection, 
where we say, you come here, you belong here. There is a place for everyone to find connection. You find the place that's right for you. We want to help you find the place that's right for you. You belong here. And ultimately, we want to guide you to have your connection with your creator. And then direction. We love teaching the word of God. Yes, to the toddlers and all the way up to the big kids. And then to adults also through Bible studies and fearless mom. Whoop, whoop. And then we love to teach practical biblical living, direction for life. And then protection. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And we want to help you guard your heart by teaching you scripture, no matter where you are in your walk with God. Even if you're just checking it out, we love to teach. Well, this is what the Bible says for the best way for you to live your life is. And so we work hard at that. And our prayer is that you feel at home here, just like you would at your own home. Absolutely. But we, you know, ask for you to shower and brush your teeth before you come here. (laughs) When possible. But you know, you choose to make family a priority. You choose to make church a priority. And just as Kara said, the more you put in, the more you get out. Ironically, um, and I I think this is counterintuitive, but teenagers uh, especially, they feel part of a family when they have chores and with traditions, when they have responsibilities and they know they're counted on. Same with church. Chores, serving, being a part of the team that helps and leads. And then the traditions. We have all kinds of traditions and we love all of them, especially Christmas. There you go. There you go. Now, that begs the question, if it's true that our purposes don't change, how do we put those purposes, that purpose of family, into practice? How do we make it a reality day in and day out? And it's actually, it's actually very, very simple. It's not easy to do, but it's very, very simple. The first thing that you have to do in order to put the purpose of family into practice is First and foremost, keep it real. Just keep it real. I want everybody to do this. Turn to your neighbor right now and just go on three. One, two, three. Keep it real. One, two, three. Keep Keep it real. real. That was good. Y'all just smoked the 930 service. That was great. Keep it real. Now, here's what's really, really important. You have to be so careful because a lot of times, We can say things like, man, I'm just keeping it real as an excuse. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just keeping it real, man. No, you were just being a jerk, man. When I say keep it real, what we're saying is we are being true. We are being real with who God has created us to be and stepping into what he has called us to do. That's Very, very different than just justifying or rationalizing any choice or decision we make about how we behave. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to remember, read the highlighted words with me out loud as I read them. Proverbs 11, verse 3. The Bible says, the integrity of the honest keeps them on On track. The deviousness of crooks brings them to ruin. So the integrity of the honest keeps us on track. That means on the track that God's created us for. So that's why following God's word leads to knowing God's will. 
That's why scripture is so important that we're incorporating it into our daily lives, day in and day out, but especially week in and week out so that we're keeping it real. One of the most dangerous lies of our world is that the reason you exist is to live your truth. There is nothing that could be further from the truth because we are created in the image of God to live out his truth. That's God is the one who determines what's true. Not me, not Julie, but what God says biblically, that's the truth. And so we're here to live the truth. You are never more real. You are never more authentic than when you are living out who God has created you to be. So for that reason, keep it real. Keep it real. You know, that's a great charge, parents, as we drop our kids off, as we take them to the bus stop, as we send them, Joseph is starting seminary this week, as we send him out, you know, be yourself. Keep it real. Understand who God created you to be and live that life he's created you to live. When in doubt, hey, do the right thing. When in doubt, do the right thing. Be kind. Include others. So keeping it real is just about being who God created you to be and doing what he's told you to do. So keep it real. And then I've got another part. And obviously, we're going to have some choreography. Um, and so keep it real and do your best. Ready? Let's do it together. Here we go. One, two, three. Keep, keep it, it real, real and do, do your, your best. best. It's a two-part thing. I'm keeping it real. I'm being who God created me to be, and I am doing what he's told me to do, and then I'm going to do my best, whatever it is you're doing, whether you are in the lunchroom or in a boardroom, whether you are you know, counting your lunch money or you've got big money, whatever you're doing, you are called and commanded to do your best. Be who God's created you to be and do your best at it. Let's look at what scripture says about the strength that is within you because of God. Colossians 1.29, and this is the New International Reader's Version, which is written at about a second or third grade level. We use this a lot in our kids' ministry, the NIRV. It's actually also appropriate for me. Um, so let's read the highlighted words together. Here we go. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm working for. I work, work hard. hard with all the strength of Christ. Ready? Here we go. His strength works powerfully in, in me. me. His strength. Here's the deal. You've got the strength to do the right thing. You've got the strength to do what is before you. You've got what it takes to do what God is calling you to do. But you have to recognize it's his strength within me. And we lean into him. Whatever you are doing, your responsibility is to keep it real and do your best. Do your what? Best. That means at math, but I'm not really good at math. Here, I'm going to add something to this sentence. Ready? Here we go. I'm not good at math yet. Everybody say yet. Yet. Okay, we're going to try it again. I'm not good at math. Yet. Yeah, but I don't know how to read. Yet. Yeah, but I don't really want to clean my kitchen. I'm not very good at, <laughs> I'm not very good at cooking. Yet. That's right. We can all, we all have it within us because of God in us. And so you can keep it real and do your best. That's what school's about. It's about getting better. It's about getting stronger. And it's about using the strength that God gives you. Now, I have a question. Who thinks that I could beat Pastor Mac in one-on-one -on -one basketball? 
One-on-one basketball. Oh, I got a few hands out here. I need to clarify that when we do play basketball as a family, um, I do not have to dribble, and um, I can play (laughs) tackle if necessary to get the ball away. So, you know, it's just kind of a modification our family makes. But um, so now, I saw just a few hands raised when I asked if I could beat Pastor Mac in basketball. It's true. He would, you know, beat me. Um, But... Who thinks I could beat Pastor Mac if LeBron James were playing with me? Uh, more hands. Yes, more it's hands. It's possible. It's possible. Because LeBron is bigger, stronger. Sorry, honey, I think you're awesome. But he's better at basketball, at basketball only. Here's the deal, kids and students. This took a turn. The one who created LeBron James is walking into school with you tomorrow. The one who created LeBron is walking on that bus with you tomorrow. The one who created LeBron is in that locker room, is in that lunchroom, is in that boardroom. And so when you think, I want to do the right thing, but I'm not sure that I can, I want you to remember, yes, you can. Because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the Bible says, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That means wherever. That means it does matter. The decisions you make when nobody's watching. It does matter, the decisions you make even when your parents aren't around. You can do the right thing. God calls you and he will equip you to do what is before you. And you know, that doing the right thing when there's nobody around, that goes back to that word that we read earlier, integrity. That word integrity means that you are a whole and complete person. So that's, that's what keeping it real means. You're, you're keeping it real to what God has created you to be, and you're doing your best. I thought about this when, you were, when we were preparing for this message. You know, I, I've shared with our church before that when I was a kid, my truth was that I was supposed to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, the laughter hurts. I'm not going to lie. And as loudest was from my daughter. But anyway, that was, I thought that was what I was here for. Now, This jersey, obviously, number 11, Sam Ellinger, Texas Longhorns, God's favorite team, theologically speaking. The point is this. You've probably seen the interviews with Sam saying he was born to quarterback the Texas Longhorns. If you watch him play the game, I don't care who you root for. I don't care where you go to college, if you go to college. When you watch Sam Ellinger play football, you go, he was born to quarterback the Longhorns. This is his gig. I mean, this is, this is the deal. I can put on the jersey, number 11. <laughs> Probably not. That's not what I was created for. We are created uniquely by God, for God, to live out the purposes that he has placed within us. And that's the opportunity, that's the responsibility that we all have. Parents, that's our job, is to help our kids figure out who God's created them to be. It's not to get them into college. Now, that's, that's cool if they do. That's awesome. But if you're only shooting for college admissions, you're about 10 years short in your goal. Your goal is that when they're 28, they're healthy and they're happy and they're strong in their relationship with God and they don't live with you. It's not about going to college. I believe with everything I have in our culture, in our world, the biggest idol 
that parents have, and we've all got idols. The biggest idol that we can have is our children's success. That is not the center of the universe. Jesus Christ, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he is to be the center of our universe. And anything else is an idol. And it puts too much pressure and too much weight on our kids to act like where they're going to go to college is the final referendum on our job as parents. Please, please pick up your head, pick up your eyes, and look beyond college admissions. Partner with the church. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Thank you, you for that. My, yeah, my I'm subtle, and I'm about to that. interrupt you. But um, I thought she was just we want to partner with you. And when we say that all the time, you know, if you think about parenting, the appropriate response is to throw up in your mouth a little. It always gets a laugh, so I keep on saying it. And so, but here's the deal. <laughs> it's true. We want to partner with you. It's why we pour so much time, prayer, and energy into our kids' ministry, into our student ministry, into our adult ministries. We do that because we want to come alongside you. You're not supposed to be doing it all on your own, whether it is, you know, your elementary kids, being an LHC kids, learning those scripture verses. So they are, you know, they're ingesting them. It's part of their life. And then middle school and high school, our middle school, we target that age. We love middle schoolers. Bring them to a place that loves that age. We think they're amazing. And then our high schoolers, target that age. We love students, and we want to help you navigate those years. And here's a great thing. Right now is a great time to start that. Let's say that you didn't do jack with our church this past summer. You didn't come to VBS. You didn't go to Summer Summit. You didn't go to Jolt. You didn't go to Riot. Okay, that's cool. There was a lot of stuff going on, but you can start right here, right now, this week for those things. Wednesday night for our middle school kids, I'm speaking to our middle school kids. I'm going to be here on Sunday night next week for our high school kids with the move. Remix on Wednesday night, the move on Sunday night. Thank you very much. It's going to be phenomenal, but start now. Priorities, priorities, priorities. That's the deal. And if you're the parent, you determine the priorities. It's up to you. It's your job. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, Here's the thing that I think is so important, and I'm going to go back to something that started before Julie and I ever started talking here this morning. I want to go back to something that Kaylee talked about in the welcome. It's all about connection. It's all about connection. That's that's the reason the church, that's the reason this church even exists, is for connection. First of all, with God to connect with him in a meaningful relationship. Now, for some people, that may be a, a completely new concept. You, maybe you thought the God thing was just about going to church or being a good guy or being a good girl, which, listen, going to church and being a good guy or a good girl are great as far as they go. But ultimately, those are just supposed to be means to the ends of connecting with God in a relationship. And then because of that connection, connecting with other people who support, who help, who encourage, who challenge that connection and help that get better. That's what the whole thing is all about. That's why this is a passion for our church. That's why this is a passion for Julie and me. We've seen it work too many times. And for the record, we have never, everybody say never. Never. 
Never. Never seen anybody pull away from the family of faith, the church, and get better spiritually. It does not happen. Now, there's obviously a personal component to it. There, I, I have time with God that's just God and me. Julie helps me in that arena, but that happens. But growth always happens in the context of connection, community, growing with other people. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two. And again, we're gonna finish strong, so read the highlighted words with me. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. The Bible says, for we are God's masterpiece. masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we, we can, can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's always we. It's always us together. We are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece means that we are living out exactly what he's created us for in connection with him and connection with the family of faith. That's what it's all about. So, yes, it's, it's back to school. Yes, it, it's, it's a hectic season and a hectic time. But as we said at the very beginning, this transcends just families and back to school. This is for everyone to know Jesus Christ personally. And if you're here today and you've never stepped into that relationship, you've never definitively taken that step of connection, in just a moment, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. And before we do this, I think it's really important for us to remember as a church family, I'm gonna ask for nobody during this time to be moving around Nobody to be making a distraction, creating a distraction. The Methodists have already beat us to lubies. Don't worry about it. But I'm going to ask you to be praying with everything that I have. If you're already a follower of Christ, you be praying. If you're not yet a follower, maybe this is the moment. Maybe this is the time where you step into that personally. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to have perfect attendance at church for six months or any of that kind of stuff. You just have to have a willing heart and say, God, I need you. And so I want to ask everybody, if you will, just for a second, would you bow your heads? Just bow your heads in, in reverence. And in this moment, if you're here and you want to begin a relationship with Christ, to step into being the masterpiece that God's created you to be, stepping into the forgiveness of sin in your life, this is your moment, then we invite you to pray. Just right where you're sitting, just silently talk to God from your heart to his. Silently say something like this, just, just silently say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. And so I confess my sin to you, all of it. I know that you know it but I confess it in order to receive your complete forgiveness. And Lord, I, I believe, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose from the dead for me. 
and I accept. From this moment forward, I will follow you. Lord, I give you my life. All of it. I pray this prayer in your name, Jesus. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment. Because for anyone who just prayed that prayer, this is the biggest moment of your life. For us as a church, we get to help with what's next because this is just the beginning. And so in order to to make that happen, I wanna just ask you, if you just prayed that prayer, I wanna ask you to do two things. Number one, take out the program that you got when you came in and open it up. Inside you'll notice there's a connect card. That's for you. If you'll just start filling that out right now, right where you're sitting, you'll notice about right underneath the contact information, there's a place to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. Just fill out that card and then you can tear it off along the perforation. Fold it up and before you leave, when we dismiss in just a moment, I wanna ask you to hand that card to one of our ushers or maybe to one of the folks who are out underneath the big front porch at the hub. Just hand that to them so that a conversation can begin. Someone from our staff to help with what's next. Second thing I wanna ask you to do, as our heads are bowed for just another moment, would you just raise your hand? If you just prayed to begin a relationship with God, just lift your hand and hold it up in the air for just a second. And as you hold your hand up, just know that's a physical statement of the spiritual commitment that you just made. It's a once and for all prayer, but now begins the process of living in a relationship with God. And know that you're, you're surrounded by people who wanna help, people who believe in you. And so we, we honor that. We celebrate that as a family with you. And as you put your hands down, we're gonna put our hands together and tell you welcome home. <laughs>